you're stressed, right? You're incredibly stressed. Um, and you start making yeah, up stories. Um, and, you know, these stories have an effect on you, even though the chances of them ever coming true are <laughs> distant. So it's just been able to, in those states, recognize my own thinking and my own internal dialogue and then bring it back, you know, bring it back to the present moment and bring it back to what's within my control. And if I can do that there, I can do that anytime. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys, welcome back or welcome to the Living Bum Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen MacDonald, and my trade and training, a high performance and transformational coach to leaders and teams all over the world. Today, I'm excited to have a conversation with Damien Brown. Damien is just one of those guys where you leave the conversation and you know you've you know you know that something has changed within you. He leaves a lasting impact on people and his presence and his ability to just be so humble given all of his successes is something that I really, really admire. He is a Galway man, an extreme adventurer, peak performance athlete, international keynote speaker, and most recently a father to a baby girl. Now we explore each of those areas amongst others in great detail and great depth. His most recent adventure was from New York to Galway, solo rowing over 112 days, first in the world to do that. So what is it about that? Why did he do it? What was the motivation? When he was really, really challenged out there in the open ocean, isolated, all alone, how did he deal with that? These are just some of the questions that I challenge and, and bring to the conversation with Damien and, and I suppose the, the conversation that pursued after was very, very powerful. I hope you get something from it just as much as I did. So I think with all that being said, let's get stuck right in and I'll see you on the other side. I'd like to go right back to, yeah. to Damien Brown when Damien Brown was very, very young lad up in Galway. And, and if you could tell me more about your experiences and that, that, that life that you have that kind of brought you to where you are now. Um, so, I mean, I see the genesis of what I do now coming from around 95, so 95 was, I was 15 and, um, it was the Rugby World Cup and Jonah Lomu, uh, basically running over half the world's rugby players I just saw this like behemoth unstoppable six foot five 19 years old you know uh, 120 kilos moving like he's 85 kilos and just in awe basically of him and you know sucked in as well to the um, allure of the All Blacks uh, and I can name that team still from mm. one to one to fifteen, probably one to twenty-two if I was pushed, um, or twenty-one at that point, I think it was. Mm. But you know, fifteen um and just ripe to be kind of ignited if you want, or to be to become passionate about something. And I'd been playing rugby at that stage for about four years. And uh that was kind of the the start of the obsession. Uh, and then I just you know, I became somebody who wanted to be um a rugby player uh, just you know not 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 professionally mm. at that time um just a, a really you know enjoyed the sport it gave me a lot and uh 
about two years later, I came off my senior rugby um, season in a school here in Galway called the Bish. I hadn't hadn't played a game, so I was in the second, fifth year, second last year of um, of secondary school, and I was deeply embarrassed, even you know, from our culture here in Ireland, even shamed yeah. about yeah. not making the team and um, the school in, team, school team, yeah. yeah. Didn't play a game. I just didn't play a minute of uh, of rugby. Or seven, you're That's seventeen. This seventeen, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and uh, I um, and the reason I didn't play was because I was unfit. I was I was huge. I was like seven, like you said, seventeen, but I was like six foot five. You know, nineteen stone, maybe pushing close to twenty stone. Um, but you know, so for a schoolboy, like just like twice the size of some people on the pitch, mm. literally, you know, just ginormous and, and had, had a bit of something about me in terms of skill and aggression, but I just couldn't move. Like I couldn't, I was just way too big. So, mm. so that, that like that happening, that um, experience of not playing a moment um, brought pain, you know, I was, uh, like I said, embarrassed and shamed, shameful yeah. about that. Yeah. And I used that energy to uh I, I i directed that energy positively and i made a decision well i'm going to get fit I, i'll do it myself like uh, i'll i can do that you know it's 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 up to me if it's up to anyone it's up to me and nobody's going to do it mm. for you so i use that kind of negative energy in a positive way to get fit and i, I just went up to go agents so i'm, I'm in remore here in go mm. parent, parents house mom go agents is literally five minutes up the road so i just went up there one wet april night and i started to uh uh jog basically started to do laps that's all i knew at the time how do you get fish like i didn't it's not like it is now there's not like information at the touch of your fingertips you know mm. you just you just know what you've experienced and at that time in rugby teams what did they do to flog 15, 16, 17 year olds, you just ran laps. Like, ran, yeah, so, yeah. Make, so, make sure fellas get sick and then. Exactly. Then, yeah, you're, we're doing a job, they're getting sick. They must be Box getting somewhat fitter. Like, exactly. It's the so same. That, I say that's that, that's a method that has stayed true, tried and tested. It will always be true, you know. Strength and conditioning coaches, when the players are getting sick and keeled over, they're working hard. They're, <laughs> they're growing. That's for sure. And uh, I use that kind of. Um, that uh, culture if you want that was around at the time to just uh, you know the information that was given me was to run laps so I went up the first night half 11 at night pissing rain like just you know kind of almost secretive in what I was doing like didn't want anyone to see what I was doing it you know but I did two and a half laps and I was quickly um like that's how unfit I was. That's all I could manage. Like that's yeah. with all the kind of resistance that comes with pushing your body, and that's all the capacities I had to to um, to to get to and to persevere to. Uh, but I was back the next night, and the next night, and the next night, and thirty nights straight. I was round up under that pitch at thirty nights straight. Thirty nights straight. Oh. Yeah, that's how. That's Jeez. how important you know, and that's how. Um, once I make a decision, I'm all in, like you know, and and that's yeah. the kind of I had a vision that I wanted to try and get to, and this was the very start of it, literally the first steps of it, and uh, yeah, I I just turning like straight, ran laps around that pitch, and by the end of it, I was up doing like twenty plus laps, and and two years later, I was professional rugby player. 
So it all stems from That's, um, yeah. making that decision, you know, making that decision. I'm going to get fit. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to take responsibility. Yeah, I think I'm going to take responsibility is a huge aspect of it. And I do remember you meant, uh, I think one of the, maybe it was off the ball show you were on, you mentioned crucible moments in your life, you know, and uh, I'd like to explore that more. And definitely when you look back, that's a crucible moment where you came out, you know, a better version of yourself. One thing that came into mind that you wanted to share, Richie McCaw's autobiography. I read, I got, I was lucky enough to happen upon that book when my book actually, the book I had got, um, it was, is Mark Devine, Unbeatable Mind. I was going to New York, left the book on the plane, circled back, back to get it, wasn't there. Someone robbed it basically. So I went into, into the um, bookstore in, in the airport and I picked up Richard McCaw's book and I remember reading it and, and there was an, there was one thing that just really hit me like a bolt of lightning from when he was a kid, uh, that his dad turned around and told him, said, look, Richie, you would enjoy rugby, rugby a lot more if you were fitter. And he kind of, you know, very simple switch went off in, in Richie's mind around, actually, I right. So he, like you, started to just jog, started to just, just go, get fitter, get fitter. And again, obviously, he led to more enjoyment when, lead, when you lead to more enjoyment in what you do. A byproduct is you, you perform a hell of a lot better. And within two years, you were professional rugby. So, you know, as you know, the rewards coming from our behavior are really important right so i was rewarded externally in terms of i started to play better rugby started to feel better about myself like you said on the rugby pitch started to be recognized a bit more and all of a sudden you know i was getting offered a my first professional contract and but internally as well i was getting a massive amount of rewards you know from pushing exposing myself to that kind of um, vulnerable side of myself and learning to live in it a little bit more and to persevere in it a little bit more. And, and, and what that was giving me, like, even though every time I did that, um, I gained a modicum of self-confidence, you know, and if you continually do that and do that and do that, you're literally going inside yourself and building yourself up from the inside out. So, so the, the rewards are really strong internally and externally. So, I almost, I wired uh, a default mindset into myself that still stands to me today, like 24 uh, years, 25 years later. Yeah. Like I, I still, what if, if, if I come off the tracks a little bit, you know, it's what I go back to. I go back to that hard work um, elements, you know, going in, pushing myself hard, resetting yeah. myself and going again, you know, so, so, and it all stems from, from me making that decision as a 17 year old. So hard work is of vital importance to you, Damon, and, and to your success, I suppose, because it kind of plays a little bit on the vulnerable side of yourself, which you mentioned going into the vulnerable side of yourself. And I'm curious about that, especially with the vulnerable side of yourself. Can you tell me more about that, Damon? What, elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah. So wh whenever you're pushing your body physically, the first uh, hurdle you're going to experience is mental, right? You're going to get resistance through the physical stress, so it's the effects of the physical stress on your mind. Um, and, you know, what is that? It's simply like you're, you're getting into spaces uh, physically, then mentally, that is just, you know, you want to stop. You know, mm. you're, you're, you're the internal... Um, uh, communication is stop, slow down, quit, you know, and, and that those negative um, states are you know, emotionally negative kind of washes that come over you when you're in those physical states 
that's a that's that's a, a mentally fragile place or a mentally vulnerable place. Uh, and if you stay in there enough, mm. and if you expose yourself to them enough, um, you learn to deal with them much better, right? You, you create or uh, tools and and processes and methods to to deal with them much better. And there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of goodness in those to come from. Yeah. A lot of richness comes from being firstly. Um, uh, have the capacities to self-impose those states and secondly to live in them and to expose them yeah. consistently over time um, and uh, for me that's very addictive you know nice, yeah. I, can, yeah. I, I get a sense that day I mean yeah like when you speak there I can just see it becomes clear around kind of you're seeking to push yourself into those those the edges of, of the capability that you have right now you want to expand that and push it further and yeah, I suppose in those moments you really get to see who Damien Brown is and what Damien Brown is yeah. all about, you know? Exactly. And you know what? Sometimes you'll see, and, and you do, you see parts of yourself, um, but you also see parts of yourself you don't like. But that's yeah. just that's just information. I think that's where people normally um, stop or, or um, Try and hide avoid or, or avoid. hide or yeah. don't, yeah. Um, but for me, like what where I've learned, what what the association I've learned to make there is, that's just information, and with that information you can do something about it, or you know, so you can avoid, you can accept, or you can approach that sort of stuff. Yeah. And two, one of those things is really easy, and the other two are a lot harder. But again, you get a lot from acceptance, or you know, accepting a side of yourself you don't particularly enjoy. Yeah. Or like the look of, you know, because it's not like those negative washes that come over you when you're in vulnerable states don't feel great. Like, but that's that's the reality, yeah. and you can accept it, or you can go and do something about it. You know, if you don't like that, you want to quit the minute something gets hard. Well, you can do something. You don't have to. You can do something about that. You know, mm. that's empowering. Then the power is back in your hands, and that's a great place to function out of. A very, um, again, a very rich place to function out of. Yeah, it reminds me of acceptance commitment therapy or just an approach where acceptance just is the first step to um, overcoming that. And, you know, another aspect or another um, tool I learned in, in my last um, number of years as a coach, but also being coached is the struggle switch is when you find yourself getting anxious about an aspect of your, of, of your personality or, or something that came in or you might get angry or frustrated and then the struggle switch will go off and you get frustrated about being frustrated and it just yes. puts you in a downward spiral right so it's, it's, you know turn that switch off right and that's acceptance is the first step and you mentioned that is, is one of the key things there Damien you know and, and I'd like to just circle back you mentioned you know it, it's just information in your experience and you spent one of the things I'm really excited to explore is that the amount of time you've spent on your own with that information and information you love but information you don't necessarily like what internal battle have you had or what is something you don't like about yourself, right? That, that you have to, when you're on your own, because a lot of people would avoid meditating, spending time on their own, you know, they're always seeking to be in company or seeking to be doing something right on the phone or whatever it is, because there's, yeah. there's an avoidance and they're afraid to, to be alone, to, to, to deal with whatever it is that's holding them back, right? That fear loop that they have within themselves. So I'm curious about that, that kind of fear loop for you, Damien. I know you've done a tremendous amount of work, you know, but if you can just think about that one yeah. and see if it comes in. So what's coming up for me is, and where I, I really, a part of myself, a part of, I think it's human nature more than just me, but a part yeah. of 
uh, my nature at least, that's all I can talk about, uh, that I absolutely detest when I see it is the um, victim mentality. Um, woe is me. I think it is the biggest fucking mm. waste of time. <laughs> and it pisses me off when I find yeah. myself in those states. Now, I I, I impose um, circumstances on myself that I'm going to finish up there. I'm going to find myself there and I'm going to have to deal with it, you know. So, you know, a good way of thinking about what I do is about like, it's all about like the human level of myself and trying to be a better Damian Brown version of myself, you know, a better human, a better person. Um, and and that means that you got to go into these places and live in them a little bit. But that whole victim mentality, that whole um, self-loading, mm. self-pity that comes from, you know, situations that we find ourselves in, that I have found myself in on the ocean in particular, and uh, like you know, not getting any luck, luck with yeah. like conditions, and find myself getting blown backwards. And oh my god, why is it so hard? Like, and when I see that side of myself, I I I, I literally can't stand it. And I, yeah. I mean, and that's the key, right? I have to see it, so I have to be aware of it. Mm. Firstly, I uh, have to have the self awareness to recognize it, and then cut it, then cut that um, dialogue, then cut that whole yeah. um, yep. state. And then, you know, redirect to something uh, much more yeah. neutral or positive. Um, and the more, if I can do that in very extreme circumstances, well, then if it comes up for me in everyday life where I'm not under, you know, physically at least, not under massive amounts of um, duress and stress, well, then it's, it's going to be much easier for me to, to flag the awareness and then change my state because um, it does come up you know i think uh i think it's it's a deep part of our nature yeah. um we just want easy um but i don't think that's very healthy i sorry i know that's not healthy so um it's it's living a way around that that you build yourself up and give yourself the capacities to recognize and do something about those states negative states when they do come up no i resonate with a lot of that everything you said there really i mean around been aware of that negative mindset or that negative emotion or that negative internal dialogue and then first of all with the awareness you can redirect it into more neutral or positive which thereafter leads to more a better action for for whatever context you're exactly. faced with you know bear loop and courage yeah. loop right there you know if it was a star star fair feed courage yeah i think that was you commented on that day i mean i linked in there about how many a couple of years ago when i posted it you know what you want to share that actually, Damon? If, you know that 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 Cherokee um, wisdom. Yeah. So yeah, I, re- I just remember reading your post that day, and it flagged this. Um, uh, I don't know what would you call it, parable or this um, um, wisdom. Yeah, wisdom, that, that yeah, was passed down from, from the elders in, in this tribe, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it was uh, it was basically. Um, uh, either a father or a grandfather figure it might have been a grandfather figure yeah. um, talking to his grandson and and um, the grandson oh I can't really remember how it goes but um, basically uh, inside us all there's a fight going on between two sides of ourselves and one side is um, wholeheartedness courage beauty love Mm. and the other side is fear 
negativity, whatever self-loading say, and then the grandson said, well, like who wins the fight? And the granddad said, whoever, whatever side you feed, yeah, you know, whichever side you, you give time to. And uh, yeah, it just flagged it with me. And I remember going back in <laughs> and I have on my phone, like, you know, pictures of things, you know, you come across it and you yeah, take man. a screenshot or whatever. So I went back in and I was like, that's exactly, <laughs> you know, just a different mm. way of saying it. And I just, uh, yeah, it just resonated deeply. You've played 16 years, I think was a professional rugby from that, that age on, right? So 16 years from then on. Yeah. Pushing and challenging and moving at the upper edges of, of the clubs you were with. And you moved to a couple of different clubs and you won a Heineken Cup. Let's reminisce a little bit on that. Tell me about those 16 years, Damon, and what that was like for you and, you know. Uh, I mean, it's the it's the foundation. Like rugby is such a, you know, I, I just cannot um, speak highly enough or um, in a more um, gratitude or admiration for the, everything the sport gave me. Um you know, it's uh, yeah, it's a sport deeply um, entrenched in in certain values. You know, and uh, I was, you know, once you're exposed to the um, living those values, you know, you you quickly kind of uh, wired them into yourself. So it was a great, like a very very fruitful journey. I see it kind of as a like incredibly privileged to uh, start my adult life to, by doing that and living that way. And uh, professional rugby at it's definitely living at the edges of life. You know, it's a, it's a, it's an environment of survival. You know, there's a reason, um, that the average retirement age is now 27. You yeah. know, it's just, it's, it's really tough to survive in those, uh, environments for a long time. So, um, yeah, one of the, the great things I suppose it gave me was, uh, an understanding of endurance, you know, being able to endure every year, like a season in professional rugby is, basically 11 months just a tad under 11 months by the time you start pre-season until the time you finish the end of the season the last game it's kind of it's about 10 and a half months 10 and three quarter months you know so you do that for 10 plus years it's it's incredibly challenging you know mentally physically emotionally spiritually to to have the energy to come back year after year after year and to continually try to be better you know so so that's that's something great that's came out of the sport for me like among other things you know it taught me the the uh, value of uh, endurance and uh it could be you know you know it could be seen easily as a um why i can kind of continually or continued into more like epic endurance things post rugby, you know, to continually access everything that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. Uh, way of life gives you. You find it everywhere in every aspect of life when it comes to sport, that no matter what sport it is, you know, when you're really immersed in it for, you know, in a deep way that, you know, when you play professionally and then, and then it goes, that's not easy, right? And it's very challenging. Yeah, it's a it's a deep hole, right? That's left in your mm-hmm. life. Um, now, there's a few things that I did on a very on a subconscious level, really, to prepare myself. The first one I um, that was very, in hindsight, is was very, or in on reflection, was very beneficial for me. Was that I 
over the last kind of six, seven years of my career, I um I stepped away from the label as a, of a professional rugby player. You know, I, I didn't hide, I didn't protect myself with that. The perspective of society of that is very rich, you know, very good. Like, oh, he's doing really well, you know, so you can hide behind it a little bit and um, and feel comfortable and feel safe. Uh, and I, it was very clear to me that if I did that, well, that's finishing pretty soon. Like you're, you're not going to be a professional rugby player and you're going to be incredibly exposed. And in that exposure, in the chaos of that exposure, that the chances of you being able to, you know, um, give yourself the time and space to understand the bigger picture here is probably very, very slim, you know? So, so that was one thing that again, on a very subconscious level, I started to, you know, look at myself, outside of rugby in a, in a much broader sense and just give myself the well you're you're not you are a professional rugby player but you're not just that you're so much more and understanding that and yeah. believing that you know believing that and this uh, is when you played Damien right this is while you're still playing right the last kind of playing. five or six years of your career you kind of started to expand your yeah 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 get it get away from that um you know, that easy way of living, like, you know, um, in, in terms of the safety and protection of the, you know, the identity, you know, mm. so not, not uh, clinging on with all my heart to that identity. And I see this all the time, you know, with, with, with ex, ex-professional rugby players, that's what they still are. And I think, oh man, you're not giving yeah. yourself any chance here if yeah. you're going to keep trying to kind of identify or that's your identity still, I'm like, you're, you're killing yourself. Like, you know, you gotta let it go. You gotta accept that's done. And, you and, know, and, uh, yeah. Even though the sport is gone, it, you, I think to hold on to that identity is really, it doesn't serve, but I think you, you can't, doesn't serve. you can't get rid of it completely. You, you, you are an athlete. And I think that's, I definitely feel when I, when I see what you're doing, you honored your desire to compete. And your yeah. desire to, to, to that athlete within you, right? You you didn't throw that away. I think you kind of held that and explored that and honored that and respected yeah. that what you're doing. I think that really is an example. I think you, you're not. I don't think there's many people who can follow your shoes, Damien, right? But it's. I think you give your your role modeling an example of of what to do when you um when you step away. Is that you don't need to completely step away. There's still other other things you can no. do that will honor and respect that athlete. Yeah. within you, you know. Yeah, and and that's that's kind of the second part of what I was going to say is that like I. I found something that, you know, I was very passionate about and, and it brought great meaning and purpose to my life. So it, it wasn't so much, again, it wasn't so much a conscious decision. It was just something I was really drawn to. And I listened to that intuition and I followed it, you know. But, um, you know, on reflection, I, I see how important that was. And and again, you know, not not to say for me, there was challenges as well in leaving rugby. You know, I, I don't I don't think... I don't think there never won't be, if you excuse the double negative, but no, I, hear you you. Know, there, I think every athlete is going to go through this. Um, like I, I, I felt very kind of uh, excited about the next chapter in my life and very comfortable to uh, close the rugby chapter, but still even having something really meaningful and purposeful, there was still, um, there was still a, uh, a big hole that was left that was gone from the 
two things from the primal kind of uh, outlet of rugby as a sport uh, and from the team side mm. of it, from yeah. that yeah. connection with others, yeah. striving to, you know, in a, a, in a kind of uh, aligned direction, everyone trying to get somewhere together, you know, at a real kind of um, deep level. And what did I do to deal with that? I just I had to accept it. I had yeah. to I had to accept that you know maybe that hole will never be filled, yeah. and yeah. it helped a lot. <laughs> you know what, Damien? I think, and that doesn't that circle right back into where, where our conversation was? You know, just just ten to fifteen minutes ago. But yeah, I I found myself nodding my head a lot there. I think the biggest from what I find just from obviously being connected strongly to the to the sporting world is that players and athletes find the hardest when they leave is obviously they miss the competitive edge right and challenging themselves at that upper edge and I think you've definitely respected that but also and and, and just as important if not more is the connection that you that you have with the team and team members but you know as as a collective force you're you're all under that pressure together you're all crossing mm-hmm. that white, white line together and you all win or lose together and that 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 connection is it's 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 something that it's it you know I don't think you can replace it as you mentioned and okay. and the acceptance piece you said there is it's it's people trying replace it but I think the acceptance you said there is something that really is um it's what most people and athletes need to just step towards and step into and I I, I just come in on that I, I, I Sebastian Younger he's he wrote a book called Tribe and and Freedom as well is is one of his most recent books but. This was about military and their connection that they gain when they're over and you know on the front lines. And he would have went over there and studied and, and kind of spent time with them. And they would have been in pretty awful places to, doing pretty awful things, right? And it was like you know he would describe it as hell. And when they came back from that environment, when they when the when the um, the troops came back, when he interviewed them, when they came back. They were unhappy and they wanted to go back to that place that, you know, he called hell. And again, what he describes and what he says about why is that they miss that connection with each other. They miss that um, element of being within a group, bringing value and being valued for the value you do bring. And I think that ties in with the hunter-gatherer days, right? Yeah, of the tribe exactly. of, of, you know, basically, you know, you're in the tribe and everyone is dependent on each other and you survive and you survive together and everyone brings value and is valued for that. So yeah. when the troops came back, it was it was taken back into isolation. You know, you you know you're in your house, out in the countryside, isolated, or you know, and it, and it was just a struggle for the guys. You know, so it's again, there's there's an element of that within within the sporting world as well. Sure is, yeah. It's a bit of a dichotomy, right? And um, because we're like we're wired for a kind of homeostasis, and mm. you know, we we crave comfort, but then when we get it, when we get comfort, we're incredibly unhappy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, so yeah, yeah. it's actually when, when when we're most alive, nearly, uh, and when we kind of get a really, you know, we're able to at least get good perspective on ourselves and on life, and you know, it's at the edges there. It's when we live in those. Now, I'm not saying you have to live there the whole time. Of course, you don't. But you know, it's it's getting into those um, edges is where you connect with your humanness nearly at the, at the deepest level. Um, and, um, yeah. And then, you know, you, the great stuff that comes from that back into everyday life. So it's, it's a bit, um, 
it's it can be hard to reconcile i think for some people i know i know i get asked the question a lot yeah. why 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 like why but why do you i <laughs> i'm i'm grateful for the hardship that i impose on myself because what it gives me i'm i'm sincerely grateful for hard times in my life you know if you take um um self-imposed hard times of course but sometimes mm. they haven't been self-imposed yeah. and they've been obviously more challenging but um if you get through them i can see the the um the richness you know and mm. if if i spend three percent of my life on expeditions incredibly uncomfortable incredibly challenged deeply challenged um stressed mm. um the other 97% of my life benefits enormously, like exponentially. So, um, yeah, so I can, I can resonate with the, the soldier, you know, who, when he gets back into comfortable society, okay, it's lovely at the start, but then, you know, you get a bit antsy, like, yeah. you know, because you're, you know, you're, you're dying, basically, you're not alive, like, um, yeah. So it makes sense. Do you know, Damien, I'd love to kind of explore those, the, the adventures and the expeditions, right, that you mentioned that you've been on. But a question I have just came in there for me was, you mentioned that 97% is easier as a result of those 3% of the times where you're really on the edges. So in what ways is it easier? Can you just give us any more of an idea there or not? Life is slower. Like, um, you're you're more present you're more connected to yourself you're more connected to your vision um for what you want to achieve in life and then um the the direction to get there you know and you're focused on that um so therefore it's there's a deep purpose in uh, your existence um it's calmer your internal world is calmer because you've gone through fucking literally gone through hell and back and you've dealt with it you've found yeah, a way yeah. through it so like whatever comes at you whatever comes at me today i got it yeah man yeah. no problem i swear if the world goes into cataclysmic meltdown i know i'll be the last man standing or one of them you know so i got it no problem that's, a, um, that's some confidence yeah but yeah. I've, I've earned that i've literally earned that like um you haven't by yeah. by try by imposing some of the hardest challenges on the planet on myself so i i i say and i say that with if if it can be said with as much humility as possible like i don't i don't say that with like any kind of exuberant or grandioseness or like no, you know for uh, sure i hear that yeah yeah um so yeah whatever comes out so i'm calm like i'm internally i'm calm and whatever i know that like i'm going to react calmly as well because you know again that's that's something i've has been nearly trained into me through my uh, experiences is that you know stuff comes up all the time on expeditions and you know you, you have to react you have to how you choose to react is really important so i know today like whatever comes at me i'm going to be calm i'm going to deal with it really well so yeah so life is just calmer and slower and therefore you know easier if you want you know i'm not reactionary i'm not um stressed you know whatever comes up i'm going to be able to deal with it yeah damien you know you've been to the edges a lot and a different i know you went to, to the sahara as well for what's called what is it the toughest race or the toughest yeah, the, 
I saw actually a documentary on him one day as well. It's not nice. It's not a nice place to be, right? It's pretty harsh and um, uncomfortable, I'd imagine. Was that one of the t- toughest um, environments and, and endurance tests that you've had, Damien? Is that, would that be up there? Yeah, like, so <laughs> it's it, it's it's clearly challenging it's clearly difficult um it's it's basically six marathons in six days across the Sahara desert self-supported um so you're dealing with so you start day one with everything on your back right for mm. the duration of the six days so all your food all your your cooking utensils your bedding your clothing anything you might need so it's a you know decently heavy backpack uh at the start and you've got you know over the next six days you've got six marathons um and roughly now it's it doesn't work exactly like that there's actually one day in there with a double marathon so you know that's yeah. the big kind of peak if you want in the middle of it um and you got got to deal with you know 45 degrees kind of you know minimum um temperature so so you know i i'm i don't want to um uh i don't want to knock it uh in its uh challenge and its difficulty it's just that when when you pose the question like that is that one of the hardest things i that jumps up for me i'm like no because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. because when you row an ocean like it is just it there's nothing that compares to it if if you imagine like the the sahara the the mountain de sable the the sahara desert ultramarathon mm. you have a framework around you um in terms of safety and support and you're never too far from a doctor you're never too far from supplies um and you've it's only going to be six days you know when you push away on an ocean row um you're basically um for the majority of the journey hundreds of miles from you have no framework you're hundreds of miles from safety you're days if not weeks from comfort and everything, absolutely everything, is in your responsibility. So, yeah. and it and it could be, you know, well, my t- I've done two ocean rows. One of them was sixty three days. The other one was one hundred and twelve days. So, you know, it's going to be more than likely over fifty or sixty days alone. Um, so, you know, the challenge within that is just absolutely immense. Um, and it, yeah, it takes things yeah. to another level, another level altogether. Yeah. Well, pause on that, right? I want to come back to those two ocean rows that you did do and even if you just focus on the, your previous one right that you just back from and again a huge congratulations to Damien for you know incredible stuff pre-inspiring to say the least but you're out literally in, in the middle of the ocean with the expanse of the ocean nothing in the nothingness well what's that like <laughs> well yeah so absolutely Everton is you know you have to take ownership of it is your responsibility. So what that brings is um, a very intense focus. And then when you add on top of that, the conditions and the, um, uh, the threat that is always there because of where you are trying to live and survive, yeah. uh, it brings this like hypervigilant state. So um, you actually don't spend a lot of time kind of looking around you know, not the, sorry, in a in an almost like contemplative way. You do spend a lot of time looking around, looking, reading the waves, trying yeah. to take in the information that the current 
um, situation is given you because that's uh, could be information that helps you in some way mitigate some risk or stress or whatever. So so you're very attentive is what I'm trying to say, uh, and you're very present um and you're you're um absorbing information so you don't really spend a whole lot of time kind of you know in in states of like you know contemplating the, yeah. the situation that is in front of you you know like you see because the picture is the same every day like you kind of see the horizon um as far as you can yeah. unless there's kind of cloud cover or fog which there was some days on this route and the same way if you look left or look right or look behind you so it's just about okay you know that's it's never really going to change for as you said for days for days but really for like months like cuz once you lose sight of land um you don't you don't, it doesn't change until you know you get to the other side so it's um yeah there's uh <laughs> there's not much to be gained i suppose in, in in those states particularly so you don't spend much time there at stages was it boring damien like were you out there and saying you know it was just kind of boring mightn't be the mightn't like i know what so monotonous is what it was yeah. it wasn't particularly boring like because there's a lot to take in but it's just this relentless grind, you know, this body of enormous work, like Process. that has that has to be done, yeah. and you just have to chip away at it and grind away at it and grind and grind and grind, and it's you know every moment of that grind is uncomfortable, yeah. um, physic physically uncomfortable, but you know, so you just got to do it, and you got if you want to get to the other side, you got to do it. So it can it can become quite monotonous, like you know, so. Um, um, but yeah, not not particularly like boring. Very rarely, sometimes yeah, but very rarely. Was there other areas along the journey where it was ferociously challenging, and you just it, it brought the really best out in you? Yeah, I think two two moments pop up for me. Um, one of them is an extended moment, but one is specifically day twenty four. Um, had a uh, tropic just downgraded actually from a tropical storm. Uh, roll in not too far off the coast of uh, North America. So it's like mm. only about seven or 800 miles from New York. But then again, that's only about, I was only about 200 miles from kind of 250 miles from um, Nova Scotia at that point. So still kind of um, particularly close if you want in doing ocean rowing terms mm. to, to land. So, um, but uh, during the uh, kind of, gusting 52 knot maximum gust of 52 knot winds and like 10 12 meter waves capsized three times on uh on power anchor so what that means what power anchor is this um implement piece of equipment that you use uh when the mm. sea is too deep to use a ground anchor and it's basically a um a parachute um that sits under the water and uses about two and a half tons of that water with it went in the parachute to kind of ballast you and mm, keep you yeah. uh, aligned with the wind and the waves but what's kind of very rare is to capsize on power anchor and i capsized three times in the first five hours of a storm that was forecast to last 20 hours okay. um not only did I capsize, but I also had some water um, ingress into the cabin. So, like, that's a huge threat. Of, firstly, it can yeah. flood the cabin, you know, and I could 
drown. Now, it was nowhere near enough for that. But, you know, if the boat hadn't self-righted, it would have kept pouring in and mm. pouring in and pouring in. And then it is a threat, right? And secondly, it's a massive threat to all the electrics in the, the cabin. So there's two little cabins on either side of an ocean rowing boat. One is for storage. The other one is where you live, where all mm. your, you know, radio um, is, where your GPS is, where your radar is, where your water maker is, all your electrics, mm. you know. So so if you lose all, if you lose them to, you know, the wire wiring getting fried through the seawater well then it's expedition over like so so that came in on the first two capsizes so like all of a sudden this um area this uh, cocoon that i saw as a safe refuge from the madness of outside was compromised and Mm. my belief in it as a safe place was compromised and now I've got another, I'm still, I have another 15 or 16 hours in this storm. Like, and I was just, I remember just waiting, like literally lying down, listening for the next wave that would capsize me for 15 hours and living in, (laughs) living in that anticipation, right? That, you know, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Uh, coming, Bracing yourself every time, right? Just kind of getting ready every time every time just mm. living in that state of like you know anticipating something you know difficult and uncomfortable and just um crazy really so that was uh getting through that was you know um a huge moment for me um and just you know dealing with my mind um within that space so like because you just go into you start you know you're you're stressed, right? You're incredibly stressed, um, and you start making yeah, up stories, um, and you know these stories have an effect on you, even though the chances of them ever coming true are <laughs> distant. But you know you you end up so it's just been able to in those states recognize my own um, thinking and my own internal dialogue, and then bring it back, you know, bring it back to the present moment and bring it back to what's within my control. And if I can do that there, I can do that anytime. Yeah, <laughs> um, no, I, I, yeah I can see that. Yeah. You know, what stories, Damien? What, what, like, what, what was one of the stories you now that you were telling yourself that you had to really well, deal with and come to the side on? Well, stuff like the, you know, um, the the drowning thing, like, you know, so oh, yeah. um, the boat capsizing and then not self-writing or um, a thing called, um, so there's capsizing, there's also a thing called pitch pulling, which is like where the boat goes up a massive wave and then just flips over itself. Yeah. So normally what will happen is actually um, the boat will uh, go sideways up a wave and then at the top of the wave, the brake will hit the boat on the side and it will roll it over. Mm. So that's kind of how capsizes happen. But because I was on power anchor, I actually thought like it was keeping me aligned with these big waves. So I thought, you know, sorry, I was making up stories in my head that I could pitch pole, which would mean the boat would go up the wave straight. And at the top of the wave, it would just flip it over, you know, so stuff like that. Like, just, oh, man. You're just terrible. getting carried away with yourself, like because of the stress of the situation and the and the, all the doubt, of course, that comes in from sorry, the doubt that had come in from literally water getting in the cabin. So, you know, you yeah. So, um, so that was one moment, and then the second extended moment I mentioned was was definitely the second half of the race or the the crossing. Sorry, so the first half took literally the first half fifteen hundred nautical miles took me. Um, uh, 44 days mm. and the second 1500 miles uh, took me 68 
So it was quite a difference, right? Oh. And that was just that was just because I got I had no luck with the weather. I kept getting headwinds. Um and because you're just literally one man power, right, against the power of the yeah. ocean. Um there was days where I went backwards, there was days where I went nowhere. There was oh. one week one week between so you become obsessed with numbers, right? And you're counting down how oh, long damn, yeah. how long you have to go. The days when you were backwards and everything, like I, you know, people don't realize that. I suppose like you think you're making steady progress, like progress and momentum. I can imagine in, in an environment where you're in, yeah. it's, it's everything because it's like you can celebrate at the end of the day. You can you can just I, I made yeah. progress, you know, and that's the same for everything in life. Right? I can't imagine out there it's so important, but at the end of the day, you're looking and you said, you know, I've gone, I've I've gone backwards, yeah. Like, that oh. must be soul destroying, especially out there on your own like that. Absolutely soul destroying. Like to the like dispiriting, yeah. demoralizing. To 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 the extent it, it happened so much that there was like absolute moments of despair. You know um, what, Damien? Doesn't it doesn't it kind of signify life as well in another way, right? For sure. <laughs> yes. You know, there it is. Life in the like, microcosm out there on your own, make going forward, going backwards, going sideways, capsizing. It's- Right, it's funny right. you should say that because sometimes <laughs> I I start talks with um uh I say that ocean rowing is a condensed lifetime. You know, it's uh, it's I can, yeah, it's a condensed lifetime. That's the word I was trying to use there. But geez, yeah, I can imagine it yeah. just all the challenges in life in one condensed moment, and you deal with so it. I put, uh, there was there was one. One period of this, right, uh, this last 68 days that like, I'll, I'll never, ever forget because it was like rowing purgatory. It was like I, right. I, I sincerely felt I am damned for the rest of my life just to row in this little section. And that was 500 nautical miles to go to Galway. When I crossed that 500 threshold, that was a big moment for me. I've only got 500 nautical miles mm-hmm. left, right? Yep. By the time I got, the time I got to four hundred nautical miles left, right, so hundred nautical miles, that should take, you know, decent weather conditions, average weather conditions, two and a half days. Took me thirteen days <sighs> to, <laughs> to row hundred. Again, nautical like miles. you know, you have a plan, two and a half days. You know, you see the vision, two and a half days, and in two and a half days' time, you're nowhere near. No, <laughs> and another two and a half days, and you, you know. So, how did you manage that? Well, I just kept going. I just, I, I, I just, I, I, the deep um, understanding I had was that if I never stop and I'm able to point the boat in the right direction and I just never stop, I get to where I want to get to, right? So I just kind of, that was the deep belief I had in myself and in uh, almost like if you want the strategy. So that's what I did. I Now, not to say it wasn't incredibly difficult and challenging and I didn't hit moments of despair and again coming back to that you know something we talked about earlier that mm. victim oh Jesus yeah. why is it so yeah. fucking hard oh you know I I, I would have I would have found myself there a lot and again just recognizing it and getting back on task well what gets you to go with what gets you across this ocean and I had um three reset sentences that I uh, wrote on yeah, the cabin yeah. um, that helped me when I found myself in those states. Uh, and they, the three sentences are questions. Three questions were, am I doing quality work? Uh, is my effort honest? And am I concentrating on the actions that get me across the ocean? Um, and I asked myself, one of them or all three of them, and they just kind of reset me 
and get me concentrating on what's within my control and then i'm back in a much more empowered state right and mm. neutral state and i can push on and it's constant fight been able to um dealing with those you know negative states that kind of will come up in those situations and then redirecting my mind uh using those resets and oh. and then focus concentrating and focusing on what's within my control i think those questions are pretty um exceptional questions that I think take you out of that victim mentality or take you out of that suboptimal space and bring you to bring you outside of that more into a neutral zone, I think. I would yeah. imagine where you're actually able to do what you need to do to make sure that you move in the right direction. Question that um I've just through a coaching supervisor of mine recently shared with me was, you know, what does a life need most from you right now? What does life need most from you right now? I think that that's a reset question that I hold close to me that I use most days, you know, every day really when I'm, when I'm faced with a decision to make. What does life need most from me right now? I think then I, I, I get into a neutral zone then, you know, where I can make the right decision and do the right thing and take the right action. Mm. So it's uh, it just reminded me of that when you share those questions. So, yeah. And um, yeah, because yeah, you need yeah. something, right, to yeah. take you out of that place, as you said, take you out of that fucking, that just suboptimal. Yeah. Yes, suboptimal mental state that you find yourself in, that you're not, you know, there's nothing productive, particularly coming from it. At least the sensation that's washing over you is is not helping in any way you'd be productive. So, yeah, just, um, and they, they just came up for me, actually, those things. I, I, I am, I kind of, you know, that's the way I wired myself to think. And then while I was out there, I just found I was asking myself certain questions that were really beneficial mm. and helping a lot. Yeah. And then I ended up, I think around day 20 something or other, I ended up just writing them on the cabin and said, right. All right. So this emerged, this, this, this part, like those questions emerged through the, through your adaptability, yeah. your ability to kind of, you know, yeah. move, in, move in the right direction. And even when your own mindset, the questions came in. So, you know, definitely. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I have to ask the question then, Damien, you know, because you've got a 19-month-old, 18, 19-month-old? Yes. Yeah? 19-month-old, yeah. So how 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 did you manage? Obviously, I've I've got two young kids, right? Two, two and a half in January, and as I mentioned, 14 months. So to be away from them for that length of time, I can't imagine. So yeah. how did you do it? How did you how did you manage to, 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 to leave for that length of time? You know? Yeah, I mean, a big, you know, if you think of it from their point of view, it's an enormous sacrifice for me to ask of them. Um, now, yeah. I have their support, I have their love, and that was really, like, incredibly important um, in, uh, in knowing that that was the case yeah. in yeah. making the decision. And the second thing was that um, we, so this is, uh this is my second expedition since my little one was born now very unideal <laughs> that you know that's just the way life has happened for us uh like i've only my me and my partner have only been together now in three years kind of thing you know mm -hmm. so it all happened very quickly and actually these expeditions were in place before we got together so yeah, yeah. um there was almost a commitment there already uh yeah. and Based off that commitment, um, there was uh, there was a lot of learnings uh, from the first one, which was I attempted to climb Mount Everest in the summer of twenty one, 
Um, and that that was very difficult on us as a couple and us as a family because there was a lot of um, negativity came from uh, my act, my decisions and actions, you know, a lot of resentment. Um, but, you know, we, we faced that down, honestly, when I came back from Everest and mm. we had to work through a lot of stuff. That work kind of armed us well for the next expedition, which was, you know, the the North Atlantic Row and was already in place and was happening, you know, um, about a year later. Um, so what I, what I realized or what me and my partner, Rizal, realized that the key um, piece uh, here was disconnection. The key challenge was we were, um, because of my absence, uh, ooh, there was a... Um, a huge disconnect. So what we tried to do for the North Atlantic Row was bring in um, some uh, actions that would keep us connected. So um, as much as we could, right? So I had the capacities in terms of certain technology to, to text message and to leave little voice notes and also to the odd time to leave a short little video, like 10 seconds, And then every once every month on the ocean, like we actually did, I believe it or not, a FaceTime call. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, majorly expensive and all that, but it was that's why it was only done once a month. And, you know, it only lasted a couple of minutes, but it's still, you know, it keeps, it helps keep that connection. And then around that as well, we wrote letters. So um, I wrote eight letters to Roselle and Elodie, my daughter. Um, filled oh. the letter with like a load of like say 20 photos from our relationship yeah. for the last three years and um, and put, put it in a card yeah and then she Roselle opened a letter every week um, again uh, yeah and it was you know complete, very intimate and personal what was in the letter I was basically just you know, um, extolling her virtues. <laughs> but uh, again, it helped, right? It helped to help. Yeah, I mean, of course, it, it def- I can sense that, you know, that, that I definitely think that, you know, no, again, like, you know, when you think about your expedition and what you've done, no one realizes, you know, how you, you know, you, the most important thing about Damien Brown is his family, you know, and, and how you've, how you prioritize that, even though, you know, you did go away, did you still, you know, found a way to kind of prioritize and, and to make sure that they were still in you know in the best place they could be and um no that's great to hear and, and thanks for sharing no worries yeah how like it's majorly important you know and um you know re- my partner Rizelle is very um she, she her focus is on the relationship you know so if if she sees me um uh prioritizing uh, in the case of, you know, the expedition, mm. prioritizing her rela- a relationship, well, then she feels seen, right? And that's, yeah. you know, in terms of connection is the people, you know, if if we feel seen, we feel more connected. So, yeah, just trying to mitigate that risk. And we, you know, we didn't want to have to, it be the case that I get back off the ocean and we, here we go again, we have to rebuild. And, you know, we, mm. we want to, we don't want to yeah. do that. We want to push push on in our relationship and deepen it off the back of that. So, so, um, so we just tried to see the threat and do something about it. Yeah, and I think I suppose as we we spoke, you know, or before we kicked off in the conversation about you know 
you're heading off, right? Two or three weeks to Australia, right? And it yeah. ties right back in with you doing what's best for the family, you know? But again, it's, a, it's another challenge that you're stepping in, right? I think even going over there and, and you know, given all the opportunities you have and what you've been through, you're, you're going to be at the edges in a different way, you know? So yeah. can you tell us more about kind of, you know, that, that whole, um, how you're going to manage that and kind of what you're doing and what the, the what, what, even what some opportunities are and all of that. Definitely love to hear about that. Sure. So I'm like seven years working at trying to get to where I've just got to, <laughs> you know, I've done numerous yeah. expeditions and I've been building my, you know, in a kind of, um, more calculated fashion, you have to understand that there's, you know, there's, you know, got to, everything works off perception and you got to try and, you know, build yourself up in a certain, be perceived a certain way to, you know, make some money and the commercial side of being a extreme adventure because nobody's really paying you to do, nobody's paying you really to do what you do every day. So, you know, mm. when you get off an expedition, there is opportunities and you got to try and uh, maximize them and use that window. Um, and that's, you know, that was uh, what's happened now off the North Atlantic row from New York to go is, is amazing. And it's exactly where I wanted to get to. But what's really, really important here is the, um, you know, the, the, the um, state, the situation, the, um, the place, I suppose, where uh, our family's at and where mm. we're most happiest um, and for us as a unit, the best place for us to be is in Australia. And my partner is Australian. Um, her family is, you know, she's, they're very, very close. And uh, it's really important that she is, you know, very you know, close to them geographically. Yeah. So um, so that's the priority family, right, as you said. And uh, so that means that, uh, you know, I'm just going to have to try and work from Australia and a lot of my kind of currency is here in Ireland and so be it I'll you know grand I'll, I'll find myself on a flight five or six times a year maybe between the two places and and over time maybe try and build a bit of currency in Australia so it's not so uh, taxing but you know you just try and find a way don't you and mm. uh, make it all work with, with, with the priorities focused on and uh, for us you know, I listen here. It's not too bad either. I'm getting to move to Australia. <laughs> um, so it's yeah. not exactly, you know, uh, Angola like, so, um, it's all good. And, uh, um, yeah, we just try and, um, yeah, work things around that geographical situation. You're going to Australia. So that obviously dictates a little bit here, right? But, and, and it probably opens up a window of opportunity as well. I'd imagine. What are you thinking? So there, <laughs> It took me three and a half years from kind of inception to when I landed in Furbo um, about mm-hmm. seven weeks ago. Uh, it, yeah, there's so much, so much goes into making that, to realizing that, to, you know, for it to come to fruition and for... The preparation, actual, Damien, yeah. And that's one thing I think you need to make clear here, right? The preparation you put in was yeah. absolutely ferocious and no one will ever understand because they see you doing what you do um, and it's brilliant, you know, but people need to realize here, right, to do anything meaningful, that's really challenging. Yeah. You need to put the work in D and the no one's looking and have oh. that integrity and I've no exactly. doubt you've done that. So just want to make that clear, exactly. right, you know. Exactly. And 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 that takes um, emotional energy and it takes buckets of it to yeah. do it consistently and to adhere to the work that has to be put in to realize the 
the outcome you want is just ginormous. Um, so once you're done, like that bucket is empty, you know, that, that emotional energy is like, and it's, it takes time and you got to give it time to reboot and to re-energize and to refill. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. That, that's where I'm at right now. Like I'm just, um, you know, there's just, um, opportunity outside of actual, um, off the back of the expedition, um, and I, I can challenge myself through that, you know, like things like writing a book and, you know, yeah. that, that's, that, that would be a big challenge for me to do that. And that's something I've had in my visor for a number of years and would be really important to me. Um, but doesn't have the physical kind of element, you know? So, um, what I'm trying to get to is like, I don't have anything in place and I don't see myself putting anything in place for maybe a year, year and a half. Uh, and then I'll start to kind of, I feel I'll be in a place where, uh, you know, I'll have that reserve of emotion energy to, to dive into something yeah. that, that is, you know, that is at a scale that I am now at. Like I, I, I feel off the back of the last expedition, you know, my apprenticeship in this uh, way of life is um, finished. And now I'm into a part where I, I'm building towards kind of mastery, you know, um or whatever you want to call it, at least extreme competence and then maybe you know 10 years from now that could be mastery but yep. you know the apprenticeship is well and truly finished so mm. whatever's next for me has to has to you know reflect that and has to be at a scale of you know never been done before or something like that so so i need a book i need lots of emotion energy yeah, yeah. so i gotta i gotta wait for it to 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 refill and uh and then i do have one idea um, I'm, I, I'm, I'm sure you'll respect that I won't share it. Oh, absolutely, but, Damien, uh, yeah. Yeah, but, um, but it, just so you know, <laughs> yeah. there's something there. There's something, there's something yeah, there's something emerging here, yeah. you know, just like those questions yeah. emerge, there's something starting to, to raise up, you know, so exactly I'd, I'd, I'd be excited to hopefully hear about that in, yeah. in the, you know, hopefully next year or some stage, right? Damien, last yeah. question, right? So as you look back on this year, you know, given the time we have right now, coming into Christmas time, 2022 coming to an end, 2023, coming up um what's one learning or piece of advice you're going to give yourself as you step into 2023 given the year you've had um so i so surround take more time to choose uh who you um surround yourself with if you want so you know i was People might know this story, but I start. We started off the North Atlantic Rose uh, pair, uh, yeah, me and Gussie, a, yeah. a good friend of mine, Gussie, and um, and uh, Gussie has an incredible story. And and this isn't a not. I mean, he would align with this himself, like you know that yeah. we probably rushed that decision and rushed his kind of the where we threw him into in terms of the extremes of the challenge and it was just outside of his capacities and that was a bit of a blind spot for me um mm. i didn't take enough time to consider the full spectrum of information that was there to make you know and i just saw one little uh element so basically i just i saw go see um uh through the prism of his own challenge where you know he was paralyzed yeah. and he um he had this amazing story that he was given five percent chance to ever recover any sensation below his belly button and, yeah you know yeah. he proved every 
all the diagnosis is wrong and he regained his capacitization and capacities and then learned, relearned to walk and he walked across the country yeah. from where the accident happened in Athenry to the National yeah. Rehabilitation Hospital yeah. in Dunleary. And it was amazing. Brilliant, yeah, I but, saw that, yeah. Um, and I was, I, I did a few of those days with him and, and I saw that clearly and I was thought, geez, he'd be a great guy to, you know, um, have on the expedition. Um, but, you know, that, that to what we threw him into was night and day. And there was a lot more information that was there that needed to be considered. And, mm. and in, on reflection, I didn't consider it. And, you know, that probably played a, that did play a major role in, in him leaving the expedition on day 13. So, so what I've learned is just take a bit more time in your consideration of who you choose really to, to come on major expeditions with you. Um, you know, so yeah, that would be. Yeah. It. Interesting, Damien. Good man. So I think with that being said, Damien, <laughs> I just want to, I just want to say thanks so much for the conversation. Look, we I definitely could talk to you for another, for another day right yeah. uh, 100% there's so many things I wanted to ask that we didn't have an opportunity to talk about but I just want to reflect back and thank you for um for what you're doing right for you know I definitely think when you mentioned earlier about you know your your values that you gained through the through the rugby and even when you were young 15 17 years of age and what you did your hard work relentlessness with your calmness and your ability to do it from a place of calm right and um, optimally respond in any given situation in your confidence all of that is um is exceptional and i think it's it's definitely um a shining light that i've not always making a positive influence in everyone around you so i feel very really um lucky to talk to you right now you know so and looking forward to talking to you again no doubt i mean so thanks very much yeah, man appreciate it bye. for sure any, any last comments or anything you want to share with anyone before we head off no just delighted to be asked and um yeah, listen, if uh, I like to think a lot of what I've done um, and the place it's brought me to and what it's given to me has come from that inner compass, you know, that mm. intuition internally and that faint voice that can be hard to recognize. So I suppose if I had anything, if I was ever pushed to the pin of my collar to, you know, well, what advice would you share to anyone? It would be that. Just try and connect with what that's saying and... Uh, and when you do, try and find the courage to take one step towards whatever it's communicating to you, because it will not, it will not bring you wrong. <laughs>